Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. My guest today is Ron Baker. This is the second time I've interviewed Ron. I recorded, I interviewed him once for my other podcast, uh, the IC Disc Show. And this was a real treat. Ron is one of my all-time favorite people, partially because he wrote some books that literally added untold millions of dollars of value to my various business enterprises over the last 20 years. He's a uh, really brilliant guy, extraordinarily well-read and well-versed on all types of topics. We had him on talking about his podcast. He's been podcasting for nearly seven years. He's over 300 episodes. And he had so much wisdom as far as lessons that he learned about don't being afraid to reach out to people. And he also talked about the halo effect and different benefits that he has enjoyed because he has had a regular podcast release schedule the last six and a half years. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Hello, Ron. Thank you for joining us. Hey, David. How's it going? It's going great. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get started. So my name is David Spray, and this is Podcasting Stories, where I interview interesting people who uh, have a podcast or are thinking about having a podcast. And so my guest today is Ronald J. Baker. Ron started his CPA career in 1984 with KPMG's Private Business Advisory Services in San Francisco. Today, he's the founder of Verisage Institute, the leading think tank dedicated to education, educating professionals internationally, and a radio talk show host on the www.voiceamerica.com show, The Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy. Ron is the author of seven best-selling books, including two of my favorites, The Professional's Guide to Value Pricing and The Firm of the Future, a guide for accountants, lawyers, and other professional services. Ron has spread his value pricing message to over 200,000 professionals around the globe. He's been appointed to the American Institute of CPAs Group of 100, a think tank of leaders to address the future of the profession. He's been named to Accounting Today's Top 100 Most Influential People in the Profession, and he was inducted into the CPA Practice Advisor Hall of Fame in 2018. Ron graduated in 1984 from San Francisco State University with a Bachelor of Science in Accounting and a minor in Economics. He presently resides in Petaluma, California. Ron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, David. Thrilled to be here. Yes, uh, the pleasure is all mine. Now, the listeners to the podcast may recall that Ron was a guest on my other podcast, the IC Disc Show, later this year. And that was episode 23, if you want to listen to it. That podcast audience has thousands of CPAs who loved hearing about his suggested approach, shifting from hourly billing to fixed fee or value-based pricing. But because this podcast is focused on people who already have a podcast or are considering a podcast, this episode, we're going to focus more on your podcast experience. Sound good? Sounds good. So I'm going to read some podcast stats that you may or may not be familiar with, but I find them staggering. (laughs) So there are 
roughly this this was like a month ago there were roughly 50 billion youtube videos and then you drop down to about 2 billion websites and then you drop down to about 600 million blogs and then down at the bottom barely a blip on the radar screen or podcast only 1.7 million of them but wait there's more of those 1.7 1.1 million of those podcasts have released only or have not released an episode in the last 90 days. So of the remaining 600,000, only 377,000 of those have released more than 10 episodes. So that's a, a tiny portion that's done an episode in the last 90 days and more than 10 episodes. But your podcast is much more prolific than that, right? Yeah, we, uh, we were we're on our 337th episode tomorrow. So that is awesome. Do those uh, stats surprise you? Yeah. Or have you been uh, surprised when you read them before? <laughs> no, I've seen those stats before. They're staggering to me too. They're mind blowing that why would you take the time to set up a podcast and then not follow through and do it? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so your first episode, I believe was nearly seven years ago on the 4th of July, also known as independence day here in the U S and the uh, title was The Tyranny of Taylorism. Uh, so talk to me about, uh, uh, I'm sure it was not a coincidence that you chose July 4th to launch that. Yeah, you know, we, um, that was, I was approached by Voice America back in April of that year of 2014 okay. and asked if I wanted to do a, a, a live radio show. And, uh, I said, well, yeah, I would really like to do it. That because I've had the radio bug going back to, you know, being a kid, I've always wanted to be on the radio. And, um, I ran the idea by them. What if I did this with the co-host? And they said that would be great. And so we started a 13 week trial and that's when it started July 4th. So we didn't pick that date. It would just happen to be with the, with the station where they began us. And, uh, yeah, that was, it was, that was a, fun show. I think your first show is the most exciting. You're 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 the most nervous, but it's probably going to be a great show because of that nervousness. Yeah, because of the energy that that nervousness uh, Absolutely. generates. And yep. uh so tell me, how do you know Ed? How did he uh, end up as your co-host? I knew Ed going back to I think it was 2003 or 2004 when we met. Uh his boss, uh he works at Sage, the software company, and his boss had seen seen me speak at a conference and wrote at an email. And the only thing on the email was the subject line. It said, contact this guy. Okay. <laughs> and it had my email too. And so we had a phone call and uh, he invited me to do some work, a webinar and a live talk and things. And we just really hit it off and we've been working ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You guys have great, uh, a great banter between the two of you. Yeah. We can kind of read each other's minds. Some People say we're like an old married couple complete <laughs> each other's sentences. It's, it's, some people think we share a brain. Uh, that's not exactly <laughs> true, but it, it's close. We 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 we, 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 work, we work with one another well enough where I, I kind of know where he's going or where and he knows where I'm going. So yeah. Well, do you do you uh, did you ever watch the Seinfeld uh, TV show? Yes. So do you remember the episode where? Uh, George was basically Jerry's dating consultant. 
Um, he would help him like pick like the right thing to wear and he would give him like last minute (laughs) reminders, you know, her parents' names and, you know, what she did last weekend. And then, because they said, because what he said was, George or Jerry said, just think about it. If we combine our efforts and we work really hard, we might actually be as capable as one man if we put our our efforts together. (laughs) That's great. So you and Ed have gone gone further than that. So it sounds like you actually have some I synergy. Hope so. I hope one is, <laughs> one plus one is more than two, but I'm not sure. <laughs> so uh, what's the best part about having a podcast? And I'm going to kind of focus more on the podcast portion of it than the radio show, uh, just because that's uh, the, the podcast part is what will be consistent that our uh, listeners are interested in. So what's been sure. the best part of, about having a podcast? It, there's several things. It's really hard to to, to narrow it down to one because first okay. off, we have a worldwide reach. We're in over 30 countries, and it's I can't tell you what a joy it is to have listeners from Germany or Norway or you know the EU or even Russia contact us because of the show. Um, that, that's Isn't that just, amazing. That, 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 that just blows my mind. It's the same thing with my books. You know, when I had a foreign writer or a reader write me, you know, from a foreign country asking, is your book translated in this language? So that's exciting to, to be able to put pins in them a map and see uh, how many uh, countries your show is in. And the other thing I would say is just coming up with the content. I mean, it's truly a labor of love. We love doing the show and prepping, even prepping for it. And we uh, have about... of our shows are interviews. So going after people that have written books, like authors or people that have really inspired us, being able to get them on as a guest and have a conversation with them. Not even in, I don't even think of it like an interview. It's more of a conversation. We're discussing a topic, their book, whatever it might be. And just, you know, some of these folks have been mentors of mine for decades. And to be able to get them on the show uh, that was a big revelation to me that because you have a podcast, it opens up your world to go after some really big, you know, well-known people. I thought, well, who would come on the soul of enterprise? I'm amazed how many people we've been able to attract. Isn't that something, you know, I had a similar experience. There was a guy that wrote a book that was so influential. It made me millions of dollars. And that guy's name is Ron Baker. So I know what it feels like to have a mentor of yours, uh, someone who you've read their writing to have them agree to be on your, your podcast. So I know exactly what you feel. In fact, I'm feeling it at this very moment. (laughs) Thank you. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, what else, what else is great about having a podcast? Uh, being able to, because, because we are a topic-driven show, not an event-driven show, to be able to take one on, on the 40% or so or the 60% of the shows that, that, aren't, that don't have a guest, it's just me and Ed, and we take one topic and we dive deep. And that topic might be pricing, it might be strategy, it might be positioning, project management, after action reviews. We've done shows on all of these things and more. and just to be able to dive deep, and I mean go really deep on one topic, is really satisfying because we have a lot to say, and it's hard to do it like in a you know four-minute soundbite like on TV or most radio slots you're on. Sure. Um, we can dive deep, and that's really gratifying because the audience really appreciates that when you take a topic and dive deep on it. 
Mm -hmm. I know Tim Ferriss refers to what he does as long form content. And I think that's just his euphemism for he just goes on and on and on. But I think there's a lot to be said for that by having you know more than a four minute soundbite. You really can can dig deep into something, can't you? You can. And it doesn't seem, David, like, um, you know, I grew up on terrestrial radio. There was no such thing as podcast when I was a kid. Right. And, you know, you might listen to a three hour talk show or something and they would bounce around on different topics. And most of it was event driven, might have mm -hmm. been topic driven. But, you know, when you can do a podcast now, I listen to some podcasts. J Joe Rogan, I mean, he might go for four hours. There's a right. couple of history podcasts that, you know, they, they might have eight hour uh, podcasts on, on a particular segment of history. And you know like what? On people, hardcore, like yeah, on people listen history. to it. Yeah. You can I do know. that on a podcast. It seems to be more flexibility with a podcast uh, than you would imagine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else comes to mind that you like about it? Um, the fact that it's a live show, like some of your stats would actually really scare me because if we didn't have to show up at a prescribed time every week, I'm not sure. <laughs> we, we might be in that one, you know, where we've only done 10 shows, but because we're forced to be there live, we've been really good. I mean, I don't think we've missed any shows. Um, and uh, th that's been, that, that's just now made it a habit. Now it would be like, you cut off my leg if I couldn't do a, my radio show every Friday. It, it's uh, it's really it's really fun. I even like prepping for it. We spend a lot of time prepping. Like if we have an author on, we'll actually read the book. We won't just skim it. We'll we'll we both read it, and um, that's really gratifying because the authors really appreciate that because they can tell who's read their book sure. and who hasn't. Sure. Well, that is that is cool. Any other? things that are that you can think of that are enjoyable yeah. about having a podcast learning learning from these people learn just everybody we've had on we just it's like a, a little mini university it's like going to class every friday you learn something from them and you know we've had an astronaut we've had a former thunderbird you know u.s air force thunderbird we we just uh, did a professional basketball player a few weeks ago i mean each one of their stories contains unbelievable life lessons. And so the learning uh, is, is really exciting. And I think it just kind of keeps you fresh and uh, stimulates your mind to better thinking and higher levels of creativity. I would totally agree. And you have the choice of your, your subject, right? Because you get to choose who your guests are. So, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Some guests do um lobby to be on the show like the basketball player we just had actually sent us a video of him kind of talking to us say hey ron and ed you know this is why i want to appear on the soul of enterprise this is the value i can convey to your audience and it was really compelling and so oh, yeah we invited him on so um yeah but we we do get to control uh who comes on and it's it's over time, I have to say, and I'm not trying to sound conceited, but it's become a bit of a high bar. I mean, we've had some incredible guests on, and I and I want to continue to aspire to that level. Um, so it's that's really exciting. Oh yeah. Well, what do you wish you knew seven years ago that you now know uh, in regards to podcasting? <laughs> wow! Uh, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Most people, okay. even if they say no, 
um, will appreciate the offer and might even say, you know, contact me back in, you know, another year or so, whatever, I'm working on a book and I just don't have time or, you know, I also realize that being in national lockdown with COVID uh, is a great way to attract guests. We've probably had on more guests in 2020 than any other year because we were able to get so many different authors because, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't doing anything else. Um, so that was kind of interesting, but I, I would say, don't be afraid to reach out to people. If, if you're, if okay. you have a favorite show that you listen to, um, you know, go after the host. We've gone after our, Ed and my's favorite podcast is a show called Econ Talk hosted okay. by Russ Roberts. And we've had Russ on the show and we've had a lot of the guests that he's had on his show on our show. In fact, we kind of refer to us ourselves jokingly as the, the poor man's econ talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and when I started, I didn't realize that I, I felt so insecure about, well, it's just a piddly show. Who's going to come on this? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you'd be surprised. You reach out to people and they want to talk, especially if they're authors. Yeah. And especially when they get to what's the old saying, talk about yourself for, for five minutes and people soon grow bored, but let them talk about themselves and they'll talk all night. Right. Or the ideas that they're passionate about. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I have, uh, I have had that, that same experience and I tell people who don't have a podcast and tell me if you agree with this, but when you invite somebody to be on your podcast, it's like it goes in the same part of their brain as if you said to them, you know, I don't know if you know, but I'm guest hosting the Tonight Show next Wednesday. And just curious if you want to pop by for a few minutes and be a guest. It's like they respond like it's the same part of the brain. They're like, oh, like I get to be famous. I get to be, you know, on this uh, this worldwide uh, platform. Do you find kind of the same enthusiasm that you get from maybe like the, the people not so famous? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People that don't uh, normally go on podcasts, oh, geez, they love to come on and, and you know, share it with their audience, their social media platform. Uh, it, and there's something really their powerful mother, about that. Their mother, yeah, exactly. Their mother. <laughs> you know, I, I got the radio bug by being on a, a local show in Palm Springs. I had a buddy who lived down there. And uh, I got on the radio in 96 and 97, like three times. And it was, it was for a three hour show. I didn't do all three hours, but I I ended up doing two hours each time I did appear. And I I was hooked. I mean, we had live, live callers call in and we're talking about mostly economic issues, political issues, but it was just a blast. And Oh Jesus! Like I, I, I've wanted a, a radio show of my own ever since. Mm. Yeah, no, I understand. So uh, if you're like me, my biggest podcast regret is that I didn't start it sooner. Do you have right. a similar uh, feeling? I do. I do. I mean, we started the show in 2014, and I, you know, I never really thought about doing a podcast prior to that. I've made some attempts to to get a terrestrial radio show, <laughs> mm-hmm. but was never able, you know, I've done like KQED interviews on, you know, that type of thing, but I've never, never been able to, to, to score my own show. But so when this opportunity came along, I was like, yeah, I'm going to try this and, you know, we'll, we'll give it a shot and see if it works. And seven years later, almost here we are. So yeah, it's been an amazing ride. 
Yeah. And I mean, and you may have a different thought on it, but in my experience, even if you did not have the radio show uh, and you had just, you and Ed were just doing pure podcast, I suspect you would have still had some of the, you know, many of the same experiences. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. I, the, the only thing the radio show does for us is kind of takes away some of the back office stuff. Like we have a sound engineer who does all that. Uh, sure. And and it and it keeps us, you know, coming up every Friday at the same time. <laughs> so it got us into that routine. But if we didn't have that and just had to do the podcast on our own, um, we, you know, it still would have been a labor of love. I don't know. I would like to think we would have, we'd stuck with it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I tend to be a procrastinator, procrastinator and a lazy person. So, but, um, yeah, it, 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 it's a great experience. It really is. I, if you've got content to share and just to talk about ideas, um, Eleanor Roosevelt's got a great line. She said, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events and small minds discuss people. And we wanted to dedicate our show wow. to great ideas. And so every guest, we talk about ideas. And that just, people love that. And that is something you can do on a podcast that I think is really hard in any other medium, except perhaps a book. You can, you can dive deep into a book, obviously, on ideas. But um, mm-hmm. podcast gives you that flexibility. I want to just make sure I have that quote. Could you just say it again by Ellen sure. Roosevelt? And, this, and she did say this. In fact, she wrote it in her column, I believe. She had a newspaper column called My Day. Yeah, uh, I remember that. And she said, great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. And small minds discuss people. I love it. Yeah, and, and just for the record, I I don't specifically personally remember her uh, her uh, newspaper uh, <laughs> series because yeah, I, I think it was probably in the forty. I think it was probably in the thirties or forties. Well, certainly right. it was in the. It was somewhere between nineteen thirty two and nineteen forty five. We know that, or at least I suspect it was while she served as his first lady. Right, and maybe even UN ambassador. I think she kept that column going. I'm not. I can't oh, remember when it I stopped. Think you're right. but yeah, yeah. That's great. So uh, what else do you wish you knew about podcasting seven years ago that you now know? Um, This is a big one. To not over-prepare. Okay. To not over-prepare. When we first started, we, I had 10 pages of notes. Well, bottom line, you're going to be lucky if you get through two. And when we had a guest on in the early days, I had 42 questions. Well, you'll be lucky if you get through seven. <laughs> so wow. it, we, we, I over-prepare, and to this day, I probably over-prepare, but I'm, but I'm much more cognizant of um, more serendipity. Take, go where the conversation goes. Don't be constrained by a checklist. Don't be constrained by a set of questions that you feel the need to ask. Uh, don't make your questions the same to every guest if you have a lot of different guests. Um, engage in a conversation. Yes, they should talk more, um, but that doesn't mean you, you can't input things. Uh, and, and a lot of times, they'll really appreciate that. And we've even had some guests turn the tables and start asking us questions, 
which is that just a, is a, a very enjoyable conversation when it happens that way. So allow for spontaneity, and I wish I would have um, probably understood that a lot sooner than I did. Mm-hmm. Now that's, and that's one more thing. Oh yeah, yeah go ahead. Only going to apply to people who maybe have a co-host like I do with Ed. Um, when we first started, and you go back and listen to the first four or five guests, I think it was, um, we, because we have three breaks throughout the show, like at the quarter hour marks, we, we break. So we, there's three breaks when we had a guest on Ed and I would just kind of trade off with the guests on each segment. We'd ask them questions and then maybe I would jump in if there was a pause. And that was like ganging up on the guest. (laughs) It was awful guest experience. So we figured out, wait a minute, you should take the first and third segment. I should take the second and fourth segment. So we're not ganging up on the guests. And we can right. stay at one train of thought. And, you know, we're, he doesn't have to worry about, well, who asked me that? Was that Ron or Ed? You know, because he doesn't know our voices yet or whatever. Um, and and uh, I didn't, we didn't figure that out quick enough. We should have done that from day one. Uh, so I'm going to jot that down. So if you have a co-host... Instead of like alternating questions, alternate segments. That's right. Even even if even if you don't have commercial breaks, which you know most podcasts don't, uh, give yourself a put a clock on it and just alternate because I think ganging up on the guest is really disjointed and it doesn't come across and, unless it's a unless it's a round robin conversation. Then okay. that's different. We we we'll do that sometimes. Like on a bonus show, we might bring on a guest. And we don't trade off there. We, 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 the three of us are having a discussion. But as you, as you know, David, when you're on Zoom or whatever platform you're going to use, you, there's going to be you're going to talk over one another, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's not as um, which is fine. I mean, it makes it more you know, more like sitting in a bar. But um, just realize that that yeah, it's kind of a pain digitally. Hmm. Hmm. Well. Uh... So any other things you wish you knew then? I mean, this is great information for people who are earlier in their podcasting journey. Um, how, uh, yeah, I, the, the, um, we did, we do show notes and pretty extensive show notes on every show. Uh, right. so when we post it on a, onto our website, there's a whole, uh, you know, it's usually anywhere from, 1,200 to 4,000 word show notes. And that's where we post additional content. We might post a white paper or links to videos or other websites for more information on this topic that we discussed. Uh, and putting that together is a lot of work. <laughs> I, sure. I, I'm tasked kind of, I've been doing the show notes uh, practically the whole time. Um, and that's been my responsibility. And that, um, I spend a few hours working on that every week after the show drops. Oh, wow. uh, so that's, yeah, that's, that can be time consuming. We, you know, if we have a guest on, we take the transcript and we edit the transcript. And, and since you don't read the same way you talk, right. uh, that's a challenge to edit the transcript. So it's readable. So it's an mm-hmm. enjoyable reading experience. Um, and, but it also, it, it, and now I'm the official show historian because I've listened to every show probably multiple times because of that. Sure. Uh, I, I know what guests we've had. I, I kind of can have a pretty good recall of what they said or what their main points were. So that's been, that's been gratifying, but it, it, if you're going to do show notes on your own, 
realize that that's going to take some time. That's a commitment. Okay, that is good to know. Um, yeah, we uh, we don't do as extensive of a show notes. We but we do a transcript, and we use uh, uh, and I have somebody on the team that does the the conversion from mm-hmm. the spoken and, and removing all of the ums and uhs and uh, right. to make it more uh, to make it more readable. So I think if and I hear you, oh, go ahead. That's yeah. incredibly valuable, by the way, uh, that you edit their transcript like that. And the other really cool thing for your listeners about that transcript is they can search it uh, by keywords or they might say, well, gee, who said, you know, uh, I know he said that Eleanor Roosevelt line. Well, now if you went in and typed in Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, you'd be able to pull up that quote. You know, I never really thought about that, but that's a really great point. Huh. Yeah, I've got a, I've got like a record now of all of my, of my published conversations that I can go back and, well, that's really cool. And so is the, the part that you wish you knew seven years ago was that the show notes would be such a time commitment. Is that, was that what you were kind of getting at? But but also really valuable for, for the listener. I mean, we get comments from the listener saying, wow, thank you so much for the show notes, you know, this extra paper that you cited or linked to or whatever. We, we get lots of really positive feedback on the show notes. And, and just another thing, cause we've had on, um, we've had on two Ronald Reagan speech writers and really? okay. yeah, one of them is a guy by the name of Josh Gilder who wrote Reagan's speech to Moscow State University that he delivered in the last year of his administration, 1988. And that's what we start the show with. We lead in with a clip of Reagan's talking in that speech, which because it's a phenomenal clip and it fits in with the theme of the show, you know, the economy in mind and all that. Right. Um, and we've had him on and he's told the backstory of that speech. But we've also had on Peter Robinson and Peter Robinson wrote Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall speech. And when we had Peter on, who I've I've been going after Peter since day one of the show. He's been on my bucket list. Like I, I want. I'm dying to talk to this guy because he has his own show and he's just a terrific guy. Well, he he told the entire backstory to that speech, the tear down this wall speech about how the State Department kept removing the line and they kept putting it back in. And I have heard that part. It, it is phenomenal story. In fact, there's a documentary of it somewhere of that whole speech and. When we got the transcript for his show, we posted the whole thing because I'm like, I, I told Ed, this is living history. And so right. I did a really thorough job editing it. Now we have that whole story up on the on the show notes because normally when we post the transcript, um, we take out the guests part. We only put in our questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so but that, that's a different topic. But for, for that one, I, I said, this is living history. I want the whole thing in there. And so that's what the transcripts allow you to do. Well, I'm going to go look for those. So the, the, the first speechwriter, what was his name? Um, well, the first guy we had on was actually Peter Robinson. Oh, okay. Uh, and then the second guy was Joshua Gilder. I, I'm sorry, I forget the dates. I think Peter came on in December of 2020. And then Josh came on in like February, I think, or January. And now we're about, and just to keep the theme going, we've got, we've got the boss of all the Reagan speechwriters, Tony Dolan, coming on in another month or so. And he 
he also wrote some of Reagan's most iconic speeches, like the Evil Empire speech and his right. Westminster speech to the UK. And and he was the boss of Joshua Gilder and Peter Robinson because they were just young kids. They were in like twenties or something. Um, and and he's a really really interesting guy. So we've got him coming on the show. But I would have never thought I would be able to get people like that to come on my show. And we've gotten lots of that. So it's it's that's been really cool. That. That's awesome. I really appreciate you giving such a thorough answer on that. Um, and yeah, so it's funny if I was following my, my question outline, I would ask you this next question, but I realize you've already answered it. And that question was, what advice would you have for someone who's just looking to start? And I think you've already answered it with the lessons you've learned or that you wish you knew from seven years ago, which in summary, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Don't over-prepare, engage in a conversation. Uh, if you have a co-host, alternate your segments, uh, use show notes. And, uh, and what was the last one? And have, I guess have interesting, uh, have interesting guests. <laughs> don't be afraid to go after interesting guests because most likely they'll say yes. <laughs> yeah, and what do you have to lose? Yeah, exactly. You might get a turn down. Big deal. We've 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 had our share, our fair share of turn downs. We have a wish list of guests that you know we we've wanted to go after. We haven't gotten all of them, but we've gotten a good chunk of them. So that is that is awesome. So the um, you know so as we had talked about uh, about before. We, uh, I'm sorry, I just got completely lost my train of thought. Um, oh, I know. So we, um, as as you know, uh, I've, since I had you on last on my last podcast, we've actually launched a business helping people who want to start a podcast, and it's at yourpodcast.team. But one of the things that people questions that people always have for us is, and especially the uh, the accountants in the group, and given that you and I are both, uh, you know, former CPAs or, or currently practice CPAs, is, um, is they always want to know what the ROI is going to be on the podcast. Uh, and I always tell us like, you know, it's, it's not like I can just easily say, oh, yeah, because of this podcast, you know, these three clients called me the next day and specifically said, because of this podcast, like, we want to hire you. Has that been your experience too, or do you actually have some specific situations that you can point to that you know it was because of the podcast? No, I think trying to compute the ROI of a podcast is uh, runs into the same problem as trying to compute the ROI on your telephone. Um, it's, it's, it's just a ridiculous question. It's the wrong question, actually, because what's that famous John Wanamaker line that half my marketing budget is wasted? The problem is I don't know which half. Right, um, right. You know, marketing is communication, and podcast is a phenomenal form of communication. And it just, uh, I, I mean, I can't say, uh, I mean, yes, I've made money off of our, of, off the podcast. I've gotten business. I've gotten speaking engagements because of it, because people who are fanatical listeners, you know, want, want me, either Ed or me to come and, and speak to their organization or conference or whatever. Uh, but that was the furthest thing from my mind when I started it. I didn't expect any of that. So it's just been absolute icing on the cake. Um, but it, what it does do is it, it elevates you, 
I think, in whatever field that you're discussing, you know, and I, I hate the term thought leader, so I'm not going to say that, but it does elevate you as somebody who, hey, is is knowledgeable about this topic, even if you're not an expert per se in it, uh, the fact that you talk about it or a, a body of ideas that you talk about, I think it just it it just elevates you. And the other thing, David, is it's such a personal medium. This is why I've always mm-hmm. liked radio over TV. TV appeals to the eye. And in radio, you have to appeal to the ear. And you also have to construct that theater in the listener's mind. And it's a much more uh, sober medium where you can deal with complex and nuanced ideas, unlike say television. I mean, this is why they sell junk on television, right? You, you don't, right. you don't see the, see, you know, NBC shopping network on radio because it, right. it, it wouldn't right. work. I mean, it's, it's just not the right medium for it. Uh, and because of that uh, personal connection with each listener, it's an, it's an incredibly intimate medium. We get contacted from people that, you know, in another country maybe, or even in the States and they say, I feel like I know you guys. You're just like a, a voice I can relate to because you're in my you're in my workshop every Friday or whenever they listen to the show or I'm, I'm out jogging with you or on my Peloton or whatever. It's an incredibly intimate medium. And that's a huge responsibility, actually, because you don't want right. to waste people's time. You know, sure. I want to deliver that. But, you know, I remember Jerry uh, watching a stand up in Vegas of Jerry Seinfeld, not, you know, on TV. And he, he, he finished his set. And he said, I'll open it up to Q and a, and, one person asked him, what's your favorite Seinfeld episode? And he said that, that he says, there isn't one. He said, all of they're they're like your children. All of them are special. He said, what we tried to do is make each one better than the last. And that's kind of how I feel like the show. That's how I just want every, I just want to get continuously better. Um, So we do an after action review after the end of every show, Ed and I will stay online after we, we drop the recording and we'll, We'll talk about what went right, what went wrong, if we screwed up, if I, oh, I wish I would have said this or whatever. And that's really helpful. Um, so if you do, even if you're doing the show alone, have your spouse or maybe your, your parents or whoever listens regularly, uh, debrief with them and find out how they're receiving the show. Because that's really helpful to, to, uh, to know and so you can make adjustments. Oh, that's great advice. I really appreciate it. Yeah, because like with my podcasts, um, I'm the sole interviewer. And I always do a debrief with the guest afterwards. Mm-hmm. But but that's a uh, that's a completely different perspective because you know they're in the action, they're not a right. spectator. Uh, and so you don't get that same objectivity that a spectator would. Huh, I really uh, appreciate that insight. Boy, you've just been full of, uh, of good information today. <laughs> well, huh? and there's one one more thing, too, because I find there's this more? interesting. Because, um, you know, a lot of times you think that you, you'll, you'll get done with a show and you'll say, that sucked. I was off my game. I paused. I lost my train of thought a couple times. And it happens to all of us. It really does. Um and you are, I did, I did, I just didn't ask this and it was just obvious. I, sh- I should ask this question or talked about this point or, or whatever it is. You're going to be your own worst critic. But because I 
listen to the show again after it drops to do the show notes, my co-host Ed does not listen to our show. And from what I understand, a lot of podcasters don't listen to their own shows. They never go back and listen to them after they're in the can, so to speak. But I do. Um, and I've learned that, you know what, it's never as bad as you think it is. When you listen to it after maybe a day or two goes by, and with a fresh mind and a non-prejudicial mind, you go, you know what, that was pretty darn good. So expect to be your worst critic. And I'm not saying don't listen to that criticism of yourself, do, but realize that it's not going to be as bad as you think. So get over your self-conscious consciousness about little flubs you make or getting tongue-tied. It's all part of being human, and it just comes off as more authentic. And that's part of the intimacy of the medium. Right, right. Yeah, and especially when you, because it, it sounds like, uh, just like ours, we do ours as if it were a live radio show. We don't do any editing. It's just uh, the full recording. Do you guys edit uh, for the podcast, uh, or no. is it just the retransmission of the live just a retransmission of the live. It drops right from the radio station actually drops it to the podcast feeds. Uh, and we do not edit it at all. Um, and even when we push it out to our Patreon members, um, we don't edit it. Excellent. Because that's something I hear, um, that some people will, uh, will talk about kind of that, the, uh, you know, they feel it, so what am I trying to say? People I talk to who have wanted to have a podcast for a long time, but don't have one. I usually find it's because they become overwhelmed with either the technical aspects of it, or they're letting the, the perfect potential podcast push out the good podcast that actually gets released. And that's the biggest message I have for people is like, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be real and you'll get better and uh, just, just go with it. And the thing is in your competition isn't, doesn't have a podcast at all, more than likely. It's not like, you know, there's 20 podcasts in your space and you're competing with some NPR production uh, or how I built this. I mean, you're, you probably don't have any competition. Right. Right. No, that's a really good point. And I just, I just love the idea that uh, of the service that you provide because I'll tell you, there is there is some backroom work on it, and if if somebody else could handle that, and all I had to focus on was the content, the delivery, that would that would make life a lot easier. So I think I think it's a wonderful service that you're offering. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, you saying so. It I, I'd heard before. I heard a marketing person once say, if you build something that you want then you guarantee you'll have at least one customer, uh, but more than likely you'll have a lot more because you're not the only one that has the same uh, issue. And, and the way that happened is I initially, my first podcast piggybacked on another company that was doing some podcasts. And I just said, Hey, just, you know, let me piggyback on what you're doing. But then over time, I, it just started evolving. And after a couple of years, I ended up with something very different, you know, kind of like when the continents split, you know, however many mm -hmm. hundreds of millions of years ago. And right. even though we were, we started off in the same place, I ended up with a very different, um, structure and so yeah that was what i was was trying to replicate was i was trying to make it such that all somebody had to do was schedule a guest record the interview record the two-minute intro at the end and then um, 
and then go back to doing whatever else they were doing. That's so, yeah, it is funny though, because sometimes I'll, I'll meet people though that say, you know, we just, we need something more quote polished than that. We need something that's more. So we're going to go in a different direction where, you know, we're hiring this, uh, this voiceover talent, we're hiring this you know, production firm. And I always so badly want to say, hey, do you want to make a wager that a year from now, you still won't have any podcast episodes live? Right. Uh, but but I don't just be, but I think it though, because I, I've i been there myself. I mean, five years Absolutely. ago, I first wanted to start a podcast and I went through the same process. You kind of get overwhelmed and you don't even know where to go beyond a microphone. And you're just like, where do I go next? And, and, uh, so yeah, so I think that's a mistake that that people get too caught up in perfection. And there's some quote about that, right? That perfection is the enemy of of, of the good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I forget who said it was one of our founders. I think one of the authors of the Federalist Paper actually said that. I forget which one. May Hamilton, maybe. I'm not sure, but yeah, that's a famous line. And oh, yeah. another thing I would say to folks thinking about this too is. You probably listen to some podcasts. Um, I'm just kind of looking at my feed. I, I don't know how many podcasts you know, you regularly listen to, and I'm talking about whenever they drop, whether it's a weekly cadence or some some or even daily. I've got I've got some thirty podcasts in my feed. Um, they've kind of taken over my drive time. I used to listen to to the radio, and now I'm always listening to podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. And there's going to be some in there that you really, really aspire to. And, and I'm not saying copy, but emulate, learn lessons from. Mm-hmm. Because some of the most creative podcasts that I listen to, you know, they change things up. They're not always talking about the same thing. They'll have on different types of guests. They'll try, they'll try new things, even if it doesn't work. You know, they're, they're willing to try and experiment and try different segments or something like that. They get audience feedback. You'll get a lot of ideas for your podcast just by listening to others. Yeah. And that's part of what prompted me to start the podcast was I would listen to other podcasts. And after a while I got to be just uh, arrogant enough that I thought I could do a better job than this Yahoo. I mean, he keeps talking (laughs) over people. He puts words in their mouth. Um, So uh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny if, if I had to actually pay for podcasts, uh, I could probably justify it as a business expense to improve my own uh, podcasting uh, capabilities. But that's yeah. the other cool thing about podcasting is the the freeness of it. And I just looked, I think I've got about 40 podcasts in the feed wow. that historically I've, I've got probably five to eight. The, the one I listen to every week is John Warlow's built to sell radio. Mm. Yes, he's great. We had John on the show. I, he he's fantastic. I really enjoyed having him. Yeah, he uh, he really is. So he's but partially because his is on a weekly cadence. It's always on Friday that it releases. So you just kind of get used to it. Some of the other people I listen to, they don't seem to have that same cadence. And I pretty much listen to all of Tim Ferriss's episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Built to Sell Radio is a is a favorite of mine uh, too. I really love hearing those stories. What what other what what other podcasts do you enjoy? Uh, and, and I just you mentioned cadence. That's really important, isn't it? To to be consistent. I we get to the point where if if we don't have a show drop for whatever reason, we actually get start getting emails 
on Friday night or Saturday, hey, where's Isn't the show? That you know? <laughs> and I just think it's so important to be consistent with that cadence. Yeah. In fact, we tell clients who invariably they want to start with a, uh, our main service is either one podcast a month or two podcasts a month. And if somebody really is committed to doing them weekly, we'll talk to them. But our advice is always start with monthly because it looks way better when you're two years, three years in the future and people are going through your feed. It's way better to have a, a progression, a in, increasing frequency as opposed to those, you know, million plus podcasts that go the other way. And I know you've seen them. They start, they're doing it weekly, and then it goes to every other week, and then it's monthly, and then it's every other month, and then it's twice a year, and then it's gone. Yeah. So do you and agree it, that it, it'd be better to increase your frequency over time than to decrease it, all things being equal? Yeah, no, that's a great point because you, you get in that cadence and you know, you're probably in some type of routine when you listen to various shows, depending on that cadence, mm-hmm. like you're out jogging or walking the dog or driving to this, you're, you know, commuting or whatever it is. And if that podcast doesn't drop when you expect, it throws off your whole routine. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, what happened? Like, I listened to uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and we've had him on the show actually four times. He may be our most uh, frequent guest on the show. And he he had COVID for the last three or two weeks, so he missed two weeks of shows. And in that two-week time span, I'm like, Where's the rabbi show? You know, I'm checking my feed to make sure I'm still subscribed. It's like, it threw me off because it was like, well, something's wrong because this guy never misses. You know, his show drops every week. And sure enough, when he did come back on, he, he explained, yeah, I had COVID. I was down for two weeks. It really put him down. Um, and so that was really interesting. But yeah, I think that cadence is really important. Yeah, it's interesting when you have somebody on the show so I had John Warlow on my show as well uh, after he was on yours. Uh, and that's the other tip I have for people. If you want to get somebody famous, ask them right after they've released a new book, because you'll find they seem to be uh, more open to, uh, uh, to, to those things. But that was what was interesting when I had John on the show, because I literally have listened to every one of his episodes. And so I really feel like I know him. And I can, and we're, as I'm interviewing him, he's talking about different examples and I recalled the episode. So I'm like, you know, chiming in. Oh yeah. And then they said this, and then they said that. And wait, are you sure, John, are you sure that, are you, you know, are you, you have your facts right on that one? I mean, come on now. And, uh, but it's weird though, because he didn't have a relationship with me at all. Right. right? It was, and that's the interest. And that I think goes back to, you were talking about the intimacy of the format that is and, it. Uh, it's exactly it, isn't it? It's just wild. It's uh, it is really cool. So I'm going to steal uh, two questions that I've heard from other people uh, as we wrap up. So one is, and this is really nothing to do with podcasting. This is like a lessons on life question. If you could uh, give some advice to your 20 year old or 25 year old self, what might, what advice might you give them? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah. Somebody else asked me this and it's such a difficult question. I said, first off, it wouldn't be one thing. I, I, I wrote myself off for six hours and give a lecture <laughs> about, you know, don't do this. Don't do it. <laughs> um, wow. That is, that is really, um, 
was really a great question. I, I guess it would be, uh, you know, don't be afraid to take risks, take more risks. Don't be afraid to get on a different path, you know, take that proverbial fork in the road when it shows up, pursue an opportunity, even though it doesn't have maybe anything to do with what you're currently doing or requires you to reimagine yourself or, you know, come up with a new image. And, and since I ended up doing that a couple times, you know, went from a practicing CPA to an author and then a consultant and now even a podcaster, I'd say has been another fork. Uh, something else happens, and this is, I wish I understood this earlier. So this is, gets to the heart of your question. When you do make a pivot like that, when you change from going from one thing to another, whether it's a career, a job, your social capital is going to change. You're going to run in different circles with different mm. people. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to give up the old social capital. I'm not saying that, but sometimes it does. Sometimes you have to let go to move forward. Uh, so if, you have, if you're in relationships that aren't really going anywhere, they're not, I mean, relationships are either growing or they're dying. And if they're dying, let them go. Jeez, let them go. Don't, I mean, don't give them any more thought. Just move on and, and realize that you have to have new social capital when you take on a new endeavor. Uh, because connecting with people is, is how we grow. And connecting with new people is, brings even more opportunity. So I, I wish I would have fi- understood that earlier. And can I also give one piece of advice to your 20-year-old self, too? What's that? If- oh, so I, I'd also like to weigh in on the other oh. advice for your 20-year-old oh, yeah, yeah. self. Yeah, that would, and that would be to move away from hourly billing sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that, a, I, is that a fair piece of advice? Oh, oh, geez. Yeah. You opened up a can of worms with that. I mean... It, um, if, if we're talking about running a business, I would have done a million things differently uh, when I started my own CPA firm coming out of the big eight. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's that's a show on your other podcast we should do. <laughs> it, exactly. Well, Ron, uh, I cannot believe how quickly the time has passed, but it always does, doesn't it? You told me that uh, in preparation for the show that, uh, that you're always uh, amazed at how fast the time goes. That, that's another really good point about this medium is it, it's, it is literally the fastest hour of my life when I get on a show, whether it's we have a guest or don't, it, it is it is an unbelievably fast hour. Um, and, and that's, boy, because you're, you're in that flow state. And that's just, I haven't even looked at the clock once since we've been talking, David. I mean, this has been very engaging. Yeah, it has been fun. Well, why don't we wrap up? So uh, if people want to uh, to reach out to you or learn more about you, what's the best place for them to go to? Well, since we've been talking about podcasts, probably the best place is thesoulofenterprise.com. And they can see all 336 shows that we've done. Listen to them right there. Check out the show notes. Check out the show with Peter Robinson and Joshua Gilder if you're into uh the, you know, the Ronald Reagan speeches. Um, and uh, we've had a lot of other really phenomenal guests on authors, um, economists, professional pricers, uh, just, wow, just a whole group of, of really get uh, really great guests. So that, that's probably the best place. Obviously I'm on LinkedIn. I'm one of the influencers. So I've got, I've got lots of articles up there. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Ronald Baker. 
And you can also uh, find me at verisage.com, which is the think tank I run. Well, that is awesome. Well, we will make sure that's in the show notes. So, Ron, thank you again for for being uh, being on my podcast, on this new podcast, uh, as well as being on the old one. It really has been fun, and I always enjoy listening to you because you have an enthusiasm and a and a melding of your different crafts that create a really unique perspective on things. So I, I always appreciate talking to you. Well, thanks for having me, David. It's been an honor to be on both of your podcasts. So, I, And good luck with this, uh, this new venture. It's really exciting, and it's going to bring a lot of value to a lot of people. Well, that's the plan. Well, hey, you have a great day. Enjoy the day in Northern California. All right. Thanks, David. You too. All right. Take care. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.